Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. This is a verse that I sent out this week in the email update that I send out, well, uh, every Thursday. You know, every week I get people respond by the back on email. I mean every week. Uh, I got a phone call this week from a pastor friend of mine in another city who apparently gets the email update. I didn't realise how far wide it went. I thought it only went to the people in our uh, Metro Church family here, but apparently it goes much broader than that. And he rang me up to say, that was a word from God for me. I want to say thank you for that, along with the other ones that I get back via email. So I know that it's something that God wants to speak to us. We live in a world right now where there's lots of things going on and lots of things to capture attention. And I believe that today the Holy Spirit wants to help you no matter how long you've been a Christian. Everything that I preach is always designed, well, first of all, to hear from God, to say, God, what do you want to say to us? I believe in a God who speaks. I believe in a God who's always got something to say about my now. I believe that He didn't just write a book that's 2,000 years old and somehow or other, you know, it's, it's just back there in the, in the tomes of history. But I believe that we still serve a God who speaks to our life today. And so it's out of that that we share this word. And I pray that it will help you. And I know today there'll be some of you that this word is going to become a steadying point for you in the days that lie ahead. I never assume that everyone I'm speaking to is either going through difficulty or going through great joy. I know that across this congregation and the people that are a part of this service, there'll be some of you for whom this last week has been the best week of your life. You got that contract. The promotion came through. You got the job. I was with a couple this week where a permanent residency was finally assured to them. And the joy that they have about the now being able to proceed with what lies ahead for them was fantastic. But I also know that for others, this week will have been difficult. I spoke to a mum this week whose adult son passed away. And to be able to be with the family and to be able to not celebrate a loss, but to be able at least to rejoice that they knew Christ. And to be able to say, you know, we've got more of the family waiting for us, for this family, than there is here now. But to hear from their heart that sense of assurance that God was in all of this, I believe is incredibly important. So let's read this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, I would always encourage you to make notes, not just make notes of what I say, but to make notes of what you feel the Holy Spirit underlines for you. I'm sure He'll do that. I'm sure that some part of this verse will speak to you. He does it every single service. I know He'll do it again today. Verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, And of course, that means everyone, male or female. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, that's the last verse of 1 Corinthians 15. If you read the 57 verses before it, 
you'll discover that it starts out speaking about the greatness of what every believer has been called to, what every person that God is wanting to reach. Because some of you are not yet believers, but you're here and you're a part of this service, not by accident, but by divine design, because the Holy Spirit is reaching to you like He did to me many, many years ago. I didn't know that God wanted me. I didn't know religion told me that I had to measure up. I didn't realise that there was a God of all grace who loved me despite all the things I did wrong, despite all the rebellion that was in my heart, despite all the ways I even mocked God. I didn't realise that there was a God who was engineering circumstances and meetings and times supernaturally to get me to the point where I would see for the first time that there was a God who loved me. And it begins this chapter like that, the greatness, the incredible plan of salvation, because it's a plan. God is planning to reach the earth. He's planning to reach all humanity. If we could understand how greatly God loves people, how much God does not divide humanity up into those I like and those I hate, He's divided the whole world for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So I know that no matter who you are and what you've done, you might have just got out of jail and you might just feel to yourself like, well, what am I now? I'm an ex-criminal. I'm, I'm someone with a record. But I would say to you that there is a God waiting for you who understands the brokenness that humanity carries in itself because it is humanity. The flaws and the mistakes, the errors, the missteps, the things we outright do out of spite and hurt and hate and all other kind of stuff. And yet there is a God in heaven who says, but that's not the way I see you. I see who you can be in Christ. And if ever you want to read an amazing verse, you go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, that says, Christ Jesus is made unto us wisdom and righteousness. In other words, all my stupidity, He overlays with His wisdom. All of my sinfulness and brokenness, every flaw that I carry in my heart, He overlays that with His righteousness, His right standing, and takes me as I am and says, come walk with me. I'm going to work that out in your life. It starts off, 1 Corinthians 15, with the joy and wonder of an eternity with God and the importance of every believer. That chapter carries through it the whole sense of no matter who you are, there is something that you are specially designed by God to do. I read a book this week written by a psychologist out of Sweden. And uh, he was researching through all the things of peak performance and why people are so expert. Well, it was either in that book or the book on beginning uh, that I also am reading at the same time. It was one of those two books. So go look them both up. And, uh, but anyway, they were talking about choirs and about people with perfect pitch and how rare it is. One in every 10,000 people have it. And yet they said, if you get a choir full of people with perfect pitch, you don't end up with a better sound, you end up with a louder sound. And they said, it's actually the flaws 
in people's voices. The fact that they're not perfect. The fact that they wander a little bit off pitch. And they said, that's what makes a unique and greater sound. And that's the sound that moves us. And while I underline it and I put a little tag in there to remind myself, see, it's not the bits about you that aren't yet perfect that God hates and wishes were there. He says, will you come to me? Will you let me use all of you, including the bits of you that aren't there yet? That's what makes a great sound. Well, the reality is that what you do matters. Never disqualify yourself going, I'm not there yet, because I'd go, well, neither am I. Neither is anybody else in this church. We have not yet found the perfect church member. We've been looking for 33 years, going, God, will you send the perfect people to this church? But not one of them's ever turned up. They've got to be out there, but they just never arrive. We think they're perfect until we get to know them a little bit better. This church has been looking for a perfect pastor, but we could never find one, so I'm just the only one that's still here. But we're looking for them. And maybe they'll turn up next week. Maybe we'll find them sometime soon. I suspect maybe not. All temptation is an attempt to take you away from that call and that vision. I said you matter. Every temptation. Why does the devil work so hard to get Christians off target? It's because of the greatness of God's plan. The fact that what you do matter, uh, matters, the fact of the joy and wonder of eternity, if He can get you sidetracked, detoured, derailed, well, He'll do it. Temptation's not about getting you to sin. Well, that might be one part of it. But the reality is that all temptation's about your destiny. It's about what God wants to do. It's trying to get you off of that. So to help us today to clearly see our way forward, I'm going to ask you three questions. Three questions for you to ask yourself. Here's number one. Am I getting more distracted or more focused? Am I getting more distracted or more focused in my life? Last year, the entire advertising community across the globe spent US $176 billion. That's with a B. $176 billion was spent by the advertising community with one purpose in mind, and that's to get your attention. See, the most valuable commodity on the earth is your attention. While I'm speaking, some of you, an email alert comes up and you get distracted. You know, a social media alert comes up and all of a sudden you look at that and miss maybe something that God was wanting to say to you. Why? Because the most valuable commodity on earth, you don't spend $176 billion unless you think that what's at the end of it's pretty important. And by the way, just so you get some context of that, that's exactly twice the entire health budget of the entire nation of Australia. Everything Australia spends on health in one year, advertising spends double. Why? Because they want to get your attention. And Jesus gave his disciples quite a few lessons in the importance of being focused. Come follow me. But they're always getting sidetracked. In John 9 verse 1, it's the, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth and his disciples asked him, watch this, Rabbi or teacher, 
who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Listen to Jesus' response. Verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night's coming when no one can work. They're occupied with whose fault is it? How did this happen? And Jesus is never looking at the way you got into the problem. He's looking at the way you can get out of the problem. They're occupied with whose fault is this? How did this happen? And Jesus is focused on God's answer for that situation. What's got your attention at the moment? All the way you got into it, whose fault it was, that new boss, you know, that person, you know, the, the COVID thing or whatever. Are you getting distracted by what's at the back of it or are you looking for the way out of it? In John 21, verse 20, right at the end of Jesus' time physically on the earth, He's risen from the dead and then He's talking to His disciples. And Peter, you know, the guy who's always saying something. Then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, this is the Gospel of John and so John's writing it and that's the way he calls himself right through the book. He goes, I'm it. I'm his favourite. So everywhere he talks about himself, he says, and the disciple whom Jesus loved. And don't you know that the other disciples are going, I wish I'd written the gospel because I would have said, yeah, but no, he really loved me. Just big kids. Anyway, he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, that was at the Lord's table, and said, Lord, who's the one who betrays you? Well, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about him? You know, the same people go, who's folded, is it? And now going, yeah, but what are they doing? You know, God, what I want to know is, what about the church down the road? I said to someone this week, I've got to be the least gossip person I know. I really don't live my life wondering about what other churches are up to, other ministries, other whatever, whoever, whatever. Why? Because you can allow those things to become a distraction in your life. You spend all of your time envying somebody else's blessing rather than being diligent about seeing the blessing of God where you are. Amen? How many of you know the grass is always green on the other side? Haven't you ever seen a horse? I've seen this more times than I can count. The horse come up against a barbed wire fence. It's got a whole paddock to itself. There's grass everywhere. But you know what matters to that horse is what's on the other side. And it'll poke its long neck through a barbed wire fence, risking scratches and cuts, and it'll do that just to nibble at a little bit of green grass there. Can I say to you, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. It just looks like it. Amen? Oh, you know, those people have such a great marriage. No, you're only seeing a tiny snippet of theirs. Amen? Don't shut me down because I'm preaching so well. Don't get distracted by problems or they. They are saying. They. Or this one. I love this one when people come to me and go, everyone. And here's my standard answer now. I go, so tell me who. And they go, well, right? I've never got it above three yet. Everyone is less than three. Are you allowing yourself to get distracted
Or are you continuing to get focused by what God is doing and what God is about? Is that what's building your life? Listen to me. There's never been a time on the planet like this one now for distraction. I'm deciding how deep into the minefield I wish to wander. I'm just... Oh, there's so many things whirling around in my brain right now. But I've been around a little while. I'm going, no, just leave that one with the Holy Spirit to speak to every heart and go, you're occupying so much of your attention with who did and they did and what if and how come and where and who are. And some of you, it's been months since you've asked God, what do you want me to do? Reminds me of being in Cambodia and you drive along the highway and there's all these signs on the fences saying, warning, unexploded landmines, don't enter. I feel almost like there's a big fence in front of me. Don't enter. Here's the second question. First one's, are you getting more focused or more distracted? Well, are you getting more uncertain or more established? Are you getting more solid or are you getting a bit more shaken by everything that goes on? Hebrews 13 verse 9, listen to this. Don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines. The word doctrines there is the Greek word for conspiracy theories. No, I just made that up. But if I'd been writing it, that's what I would have said. Don't get carried about with various and strange doctrines. Can you imagine whoever's the writer to the Hebrews, most people think it's Paul, is writing to the church, which ain't that old yet, but they're already getting uncertain about things that matter. Don't get carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace and not with foods which have not profited those who've been occupied with them. And really, again, get the context. He's talking about a whole lot of stuff that makes you unsure. The early church had lots of discussions about grace. Why? Because they'd come out of such a law-bound society. Everything was about work, 613 laws, and you had to obey every single one of them. Fail the one, you failed the lot. You know, they were meticulous about every part of it. And then they come into the gospel of grace, and so many of them were going, yeah, but the Gentiles get saved. No, no, they've got to live like Jews. And they have to have a high council of the church. And they end up saying, no, we're going to go with grace. Now, grace doesn't mean you can do whatever you like. Grace gives you the freedom to obey God and to follow Him. But for too many people, their hearts are not established. Oh, you know, I'm not sure if God really loves me. Get your heart established with grace. God made His mind up about you before He chose you. Amen. God already decided He believes in you. In that sense, the right sense, that He believes that you are worth dying for. God already made His mind up about you. Don't go back and argue the same thing again. Don't go back and have a debate with the devil about whether or not you are somebody that's worth dying for. To a heart established in grace, circumstances are just passing scenery. Some days are going to be amazing and woo 
Some days in worship, it'll be like, oh, God is all over me. Woohoo! Some days you're going to come into worship and feel like a dead fish. You're going to feel like, is God even there? Does he? Have any, how many people here have ever said, God, have you forgotten my address? Uh, am I the only one? I've, I've said it once, you know, God, maybe, maybe you've forgotten where I live. Are you getting more distracted or getting more focused? Are you getting more uncertain or more established? Here's the third one. Are you getting more maybe or are you getting more committed? Some people change their convictions. Well, pretty much according to whatever the last social media post they read. I really think some people go about like they've got like a whiteboard on their chest and it's like they go up to someone and go, tell me what you think I should be and give them a pen and they write it on, they go away and they're that and then they go to the next person. You know, and allow somebody else to determine the course of their life. Let me give you a couple of verses that I hope will help you. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 18, it says it's good to grasp one, not let go of the other. Watch this. The person who fears God will avoid all extremes. Bet you didn't know that was in the Bible. God says, don't get out there, way out there and way out there. Oh, maybe it's this and maybe it's that. Maybe it's this and maybe it's that. I have people ask me from time to time, Jeff, what's the Holy Spirit doing? As though somehow or other every day he's got something, he's got to have something new to entertain us. Amen. And I would say the same thing. I'd say he's doing the same thing he's always been doing. He's reaching lost people, revealing Jesus to them and wanting us to be a part of the answer. And they look at me like, yeah, but, yeah, but they want something cleverer. Yay for the Lord is coming in the wind and the waves. Christianity is not seeing how far into the bazaar you can get. Just thought I'd say that. It's all right. Stay with us. Comma star to all those in the Philippines. Proverbs 24, verse 21. My son, fear the Lord and the King. Don't associate with those given to change. For their calamity will rise suddenly and who knows the ruin those two can bring. What are the two? Someone whose life is never settled. They've never established. They're not committed. They're maybes. And calamity arising when something comes up. Why are so many Christians right now struggling? And they are. Why are so many pastors right now struggling? And they are. I'll tell you why. Because they've allowed themselves to drift in a maybe. Let me give you three scriptures that had been an anchor point to me for over 20-something years because it's about 20 years ago. I can tell you where I was. I can tell you the street I was walking down, tell you the suburb I was in. I kind of allowed myself to get distracted, uncertain, and full of maybes. I can remember saying to Rhonda, you know, maybe my time's up. This is 20-something years ago. How wrong can you get? I allowed myself to get like that and I know what this is like because some people say, well, just stop it. I go, well, that'd be nice if you could do it. 
I couldn't stop it. I allowed it to take up residence and it was running its own script inside of me. And I remember so clearly where I was. I remember the, exact, I remember the park where I was. I remember exactly where it was. This is over 20-some years ago. And these three scriptures uh, came to me, lit up to me. Obviously, they were in the Bible a long time before that day. But they took on a new impact to my life. And ever since in the last 20-something years, when I get into a place that seems uncertain, I go back to these three. And these help shape my perspective of the time and the season that I'm in. Do you want them? Here they are. Number one, Matthew 16. Beautiful, beautiful chapter. Matthew 16, verse 18. I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. See, I was a pastor those 20-something years ago, but I thought it was all up to me. I thought I had to make it happen. I was trying my best, preaching my hardest, going as good as I could go, and then not seeing the kind of fruit that I expected. And this verse brought me back to go, you know what? It never was your job to build the church. It's Jesus' job. And Jesus said, I'll build it. Well, that day I remember where I was and the realisation of that rolled away a lot of, oh, what if and how come? But then long after that came the second one, John 4 verse 35. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. Do you know what I think about every day is how white the harvest fields are? I hear stories from people about how they came to Christ and how they're walking past the building. One uh, woman told me this week, she said, I used to walk past the church on my way home from gym. And one day she said, I just thought I'll go inside and look. The year before last, a man who'd been raised all of his life in Islam said, turned up at church and when someone said, how did you come? He said, I'm looking for God. I hear stories like that so many times. Why? Because the reality is, listen, don't let your attention get focused on all that the world's doing and what and how come and why and why. Oh, oh, oh. Lift up your eyes and look. The fields are white in the harvest. There are people around about you that need the hope that you carry. Don't bury it. Make sure it's near the surface. Don't let it be like one of those things that you've got to go rumbling through the old carton, uh, cardboard cartons buried underneath the bed somewhere in the back shed and you're trying to find the thing you're looking for. Make sure hope is really close in your heart. Here's the third one. Here's the one. This, this is the cap of it all. Philippians 2 verse 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, so that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now I remember that day where I was walking along that street and realising that I didn't have to make Jesus Lord. Nothing I could do could add to his lordship. He already is King of kings and Lord of lords. And those three scriptures have helped form my perspective. When I get into moments, as we all will do because we're human, where you go, oh God, oh no, oh God, oh look what's happening. I come back and I go, you know what? I will build my church. Fields are white in the harvest. Get your eye on that. 
Start looking not at who's here, but who's not here. And that Jesus is Lord already. He's in charge. He's in Lord of my life. Amen. Well, I pray that that'll help you to encourage you to become steadfast, somebody that's immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. Nothing you do is ever wasted. Nothing you do is irrelevant or insignificant. What you do for God is something that God prizes and cherishes. And if we'll stand still, we will abound in the work of the Lord. Amen. What a beautiful thing. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for your amazing love and strength that's coming toward each one of us. Lord, you're not against us. You're not trying to rebuke us. You're trying to lift us. Thank you for that. Father, I pray for people that are part of this service, whether in the building or online, and they don't know you. They've wondered about you. They, maybe that's even why they're here, part of this service. Saying, I'm not sure. But Lord, you brought them. You're the one who'll convince them. You're the one who'll show them the beauty of Jesus and his great plan for their life. Thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, every week, literally every week, people say yes to Christ in this church, in these services. I don't know how many it was last weekend, about, I don't know, seven or eight or more. Week before was about 10. But it's not the numbers of them, except that more people saying yes to Christ is always wonderful. But every single one of them, You text yes to 0488-826392. And all we get is your number. And we send back to you the next day after you do it. A Bible verse is different every day. We send you a prayer that we've written so that you can start learning how to pray. And one day you won't need that. You'll just be on your own with it. And that'll be great. We send that to you every day for 30 days. You can opt out whenever you like. We don't send any other stuff. We're not trying to ask you for anything. We want to help you. It comes from our church. It doesn't come from Microsoft, Google, Facebook, or any other data collection agency. It comes from Metro Church and from us. I want you to meet the young couple. Come on out here, Sebastian and Rashida. These guys are the people who do that every week for you. Here they are. Sebastiano, Rashida. Beautiful people. Wonderful, wonderful Young leaders in our church, they run a connect group every second Wednesday. Uh, meets in the building here, so you can come and be a part of that. And I know that their heart is not just for, you know, some veneer, but they work with people. And I asked them, would they be happy if we extended yes text a bit? Because occasionally we have people who get our yes text and they go, but I've got a question. And some of them have kind of come in a bit, I don't think everyone knows we would welcome your questions. These people don't know everything, at least not yet. But I know that they would go and search out the answer to help you. And I know that you would find encouragement. And so whether that's at 048826392 or whether it's at yes.metrochurch.org.au, whichever one you use, you're able to ask questions. They'll pray with you, won't you? Yes. There you are. 
These are two of the most hospitable, friendliest, wonderfulest people that I know. Okay, then she is. <laughs> you were looking all embarrassed about it. But I commend them to you as people that are godly. I commend them to you as people that love people. And so if you want to send in your yes, I just want you to see who it comes to. So Sebastiano or Rashida, every time a yes text comes in, they'll make sure you get started on that journey of following Christ. You go the 30 days and then there's, I don't know how many 10-day ones after it, but it's, it's a year and a half's worth of, of helping you to grow all free. Be our joy to do that. Can we pray for Sebastian and Rashida? They are doing a wonderful, wonderful job serving God, helping people that most, maybe some of them will never, ever meet. I hear about people that are a long way from Perth. They could never come here. And yet they send in a yes text and they get help and they get encouragement and they get strengthened and they get growth and maturity comes because they say, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for loving God's people. Like I say like God does, but I'm not sure any of us love them quite like that. But thank you for helping people. It's so important. Amen. Come on, let's pray for them. Father, we thank you for Sebastian and Rashida. Thank you for people that have taken on the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of loving people, the spirit of reaching people, wanting to help them. I pray, God, for this couple, Lord, that you will give them supernatural wisdom. So many times, Lord, I know what it's like to not know the answer. And yet, Holy Spirit, you can spark something in us. Many times, Lord, we find ourselves saying things that we did not even know that we knew because your wisdom overshadowed us. Help them, I pray. Give them grace for every space. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Just give them a big hand, would you? I pray for you that you'll be steadfast. Think about this that this week as you go about your life. And all kinds of things come at you. And ask yourself, am I getting more distracted? Am I going to give my attention to that? Am I going to say, God, no, I'm going to stay focused on what you're doing? God, am I going to become more uncertain? Or is my heart going to get established in grace? What a beautiful thing it is to move from being a maybe person to saying, no, I'm a person of conviction and commitment in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I hope you're loving God. I really do because He's certainly worth loving. He's amazing in every way. And uh, the journey with Christ, I think, is the greatest journey you ever get to go on, bar none. I think about all the things that are invisible that you become aware of when you're a Christian. And I think once upon a time, none of that realm at all was ever open or ever I was aware of. And then you start discovering how much God is at work. And He's doing that in so many people's lives. God bless you. Pray you'll have an amazing week. Do something wonderful for somebody in some way or other in Jesus' name. Have a good day.